Hi, this is Larry Matthews, Richie Petrie from the Dick Van Dyke Show, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. I am so glad you could join us for another trip into the world of entertainment. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 417 of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we're taking you back to a very, very classic show. We've had a couple of guests from that show over the years, this time, we are looking to talk with Richie Petri. That's right, Larry Matthews of the Dick Van Dyke Show is going to be joining us. And uh, he's got a lot to tell us about the show. And, of course, a uh, while back, we had uh, Kyle Reiner on the show. And we also had um, Rosemarie on the show. So now we have another guest from the Dick Van Dyke Show joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. So I hope you're going to be sticking around for Larry Matthews coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And remakes, updates on movies that are coming out, sequels, all sorts of stuff coming your way. Let's get ready. It's time for Remake Madness. <laughs> Please hang up and try again. Another remake of Charlie's Angels, the 1970s hit TV show, is underway, and Sony has hired Pulitzer Prize playwright David Auburn. Elizabeth Banks will be directing the film, so we'll see what they do with that one. And the big screen remake of Johnny Quest. Remember that show from uh, the cartoon back in the 60s? It's in the news once again, and Warner Brothers is looking for A-listers to play Race Bannon. That, of course, was Johnny's uh, bodyguard on the on the show. And Morgan Freeman is joining the cast of Disney's remake of The Nutcracker. So that's another one. Going to have some big guns behind it. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies. Matt Damon and Willem Dafoe will star in The Great Wall, revolving around a mystery centered around the construction of the Great Wall of China. And Tom Cruise will star in Luna Park as a group of renegade employees travel to the moon to steal an energy source. And look for Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler to star in The House. Now, that's going to be next year, and it's about a dad that convinces his friends to start an illegal casino in his basement after he and his wife spend all the daughter's college fund. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take you down to Sequel City, find out what's coming away as far as sequels. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. 
Sequel City, well, not surprisingly, Lights Out 2 will be coming our way after a strong showing in theaters by Lights Out. And they have been given the green light for a sequel to that. And the same director, producer, and writers are all coming back. And Ben Affleck has been tapped to direct the solo Batman movie. And the Diary of a Wimpy Kid franchise is continuing, but with a new cast. So, uh, you know, is it a continuation? Is it a, a reboot? What do you want? Whatever you want to call it. But uh, that's going to be coming your way. It's going to be a sequel, they tell us. And uh, the original Wimpy Kid, uh, evidently, is uh, now, you know, he's grown out of the role. So the next film is based on the Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. That's a book. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next at On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD, August 23rd, The Wonder Years, the complete series arrives in new packaging at a lower price. But, uh, you know, it's going to have uh, none of the bonus features that you get in those extra packaging stuff that they had so uh, but you can get a you know all the shows so uh, we'll check that one out and october 11th the night stalker i always love that show hit stores in a five disc set and a 14 disc set of hee-haw the collector's edition will make its way into stores on august 30th and that's it for tv on dvd next on on screen and beyond what's coming your way as far as movies on dvd Movies on DVD, you can look for Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising, to party its way into stores and on Blu-ray and DVD on September 20th. And X-Men Apocalypse hits stores on October 4th. And on September 13th, you can look for Captain America Civil War to uh, arrive on Blu-ray and DVD. And on August 9th, Film Chest has a great set coming your way. They're going to be releasing 17 classic films that are song, dance, and comedy films called The Golden Age of Musicals, and it's in a five-disc set. A lot of good stuff in it, so be sure to check that out. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well... Three longtime characters on Sesame Street have been given their walking papers. Bob, Luis, and Gordon are all being cut from the show. Bob McGrath, who played Bob on the show, has been with the show for almost 50 years. And actor Jerry Doyle, known for his role as the security officer on Babylon 5, passed away last week at the age of 60. He'll always be in our memories. That's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it is Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get a tummy ache and you moan and groan and woe, don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity Birthdays, August 8th. Dustin Hoffman turns 79, and it looks like on August 9th. Anna Kendrick turns 31. August 10th, Antonio Banderas turns 56. August 11th, Hulk Hogan turns 63. And on August 12th, Sam Jones, the Flash, turns 62. That's Flash Gordon, of course. And on August 13th, Danny Bonaducci of the Partridge family turns 57. And on 
August 14th, Steve Martin, that wild and crazy guy, turns 71. As far as listener birthdays, well, let's see. Yoko C. of uh, Osaka, Japan, turns 43 on August 12th. And if you, a friend or a relative, are having a birthday and want to hear it on, on screen and beyond and celebrate it with all our listeners all around the world, send me the information at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll be sure to put that on our lists for birthday wishes. And that's it for birthdays here at On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're taking you back to the 60s with an interview with Larry Matthews, who played Richie Petri on The Dick Van Dyke Show. Larry Matthews, he's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond was part of TV history, appearing in over 150 episodes of the classic 60s TV show, The Dick Van Dyke Show, in which he played Richie Petrie, the son of Rob and Laura Petrie, played by Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore. It's Larry Matthews. Larry, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks, Brian. How you doing? Great. How about you? I'm doing great, thank you. Now, Larry, uh, and like I said in the intro, part of history it really is part of history because the dick van dyke show was just such a classic yeah it, it's uh well you know it, it is history it's it's you know we now obviously recognize in you know all broadcast museums smithsonian things like that and uh and and a testament to it is to that is of course that dick van dyke show is one of only two shows that uh since the day it premiered in 1961 uh, it has never not been on the air somewhere in the world ev- wow. it, every single day. So uh, for every day, it's been on somewhere for all those years for this. So uh, there's only one other show. It's I Love Lucy, actually. Hmm. And um, and so it was Yeah, it was a great testament to that. And, and, you know, and of course, you know, we had no idea. Well, you know, Rosemary said this before, Dick has. We, we didn't know we were doing it. We knew it was great. We had a lot, a lot of fun doing it. It was a very special show. But... You never know what's going to happen you know, right. until it, the time tells. Yeah. Huh. Now, we, we've had, actually, Rosemary has been on the show before here talking with us, and uh, also Carl Reiner's been on. Oh, so yeah. so we've uh, had a couple of you <laughs> you people from the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> I'm, Carl's just a genius. I, I, I can't say enough about him. He's a, yeah. he's a wonderful person, a wonderful man, and uh, he's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's just there's not enough words. He's just great. And the stories he had, it was, you know, I mean, he could have gone on for hours. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure of that, yeah. Yeah. And now, Rose and I are very close and have been all, you know, all, all this time. Do you still see them, any of the cast members? I see Rosemary every so often, I, I, and I catch up with Dick and Arlene on Facebook here and there, so yeah. Hmm. Now, how did you get onto the show? Was it an open call for, for a, a, young, a young kid or what? Well, I know they had. I know that they had um, calls for other kids. Um, my story—it's kind of interesting. I, I I ended up getting into this uh, taking acting lessons when I was young from a, this woman. Her name was Lois Hour, and and, um, and then she would um, have uh, showcases where they would invite agents to come see if they want to represent, uh, you know, the children. She was basically all child actors, and then my agency was. Uh, specialized in child actors so 
Um, so they came, and, and I remember we we did a scene from a, the play A Thousand Clowns, and um, and at the end of it, the agents went up to Lois and my mom and said, you know, we'd like to represent Larry, and if you guys are good, and he said, yeah, we're fine with that. So uh, after that, not too too long after that, then uh, came time uh, where I got called for the interview, with, and I went in, and it was just me. I remember being there, and, and I don't remember a lot of the people in there. I think it was me. And then I went to Carl's office, and I sat down, and Carl said, well, you know, I want you to pretend like you're sick, and can you do that for me, and, you know, a few other things, and we talked. And, you know, I, he directed me, as it were, in certain, you know, little uh, acting, uh, because I couldn't read. So, you know, it's like mm-hmm. they're just telling you what to say and what to do. Yeah. And um, and uh, and I got the job. I was, you know, and and I found out later that a couple things played into it. They had narrowed it down to two people: me and another kid. Uh, the other kid had done some acting before, and uh, Carl kind of wanted somebody who had never really done anything, so they, he could just make the character, you know, unique. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why I got chosen. It was kind of just lucky. Wow. Nice for time. Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned that you took classes uh, early on. Uh, for acting and um, with other kids, were there any people that we would know if you know by name that that you were taking classes with? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't remember. That. Don't remember that far back. <laughs> no, I mean I remember a lot, but you know I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't think so because I think I would have probably come across that later in life. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I was. I lived. I was born in Burbank, and so the mailman. Um. I would watch TV and go out and like you know just um, you know um, mimic you know all these little characters on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the the mailman said, "Look, you know my mom would you you know take acting lessons? I know this woman that teaches them." So they asked me if I'd like to do that, and I said, "Well, yeah, why not? What the heck? Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. Get to go pretend. Sure. Yeah. You know, every kid loves to pretend." Jeez. Now, of course, you didn't. I'm sure when you met Kyle Ryan, you didn't know what a comic genius he was right you i mean you're such a little kid i mean no this was just they're going to go see this man about this show and his name's mr reiner and i said okay hi mr reiner that was kind of it no i i had no idea i tell you even even as we did the show um for all the years i really didn't kind of start grasping a lot of the cast and 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 executives kind of backgrounds and stuff um you know, till later on in, in during the series when I was kind of, you know, I, you know, I started when I was, you know, six, and and so, um, you know, almost six actually before we started shooting, and um, and so then as I grew older, I started to understand, you know, who they were, what they were. I mean, I, you know, I I I, I didn't know, you know, I, Danny Thomas was one of our executive producers, and I just knew Danny from watching Make Room for Daddy. That's yep. all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sheldon Leonard, you know, I I didn't know you know, how iconic Sheldon was and what he'd done. And then, yeah. of course, as you start growing up and you start watching things, you see these movies with Sheldon, and you go like, oh, my God, that's Mr. Leonard. He's in this movie. Like, how about that? And, you know, playing a, playing the old heavy guy and, uh, and, and 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 so on and so on. You know, same with Carl and, and then Rose and Maury and, and, you know, those people. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you think back at the at that show, the a lot of the behind-the-scenes people who were the writers and the, the producers and directors and everything, and then, you know, even the cast. I mean, the talent that was in there was so unreal. Oh, it, it's incredible, Brian. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, when I look back at it, and again, after I started to grow and started to learn and understand what's going on, I look back at it, you know, some years later and go, oh, my goodness, can you imagine? Look at the people. I, I, I was so 
blessed and lucky to work with and grow grow up with. Really, I'm mean, just it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and not to put any TV shows down, you know, now and of the you know, the, the more recent past, but you just don't see that amount of of people all in one place, you know, in in any one show usually. No, it's it's pretty rare. I mean, you know, you, yeah, it really is, especially when you go from top to bottom. Um, you know, from directors and execs to the actors and, you know, everybody involved with the writers. You know, I mean, Gary Marshall just died. And Gary mm-hmm. yeah. wrote several episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show. And, you know, so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, people, Gary Marshall, and Terry Belson and Sam Denoff and Bill Persky. And, you know, it's just amazing, amazing, mm-hmm. talented people that were, again, associated with our show, which was just so fortunate to be around. Yeah. The other day I just... Uh just for the heck of it, I wanted to to refresh my memory of the of the show, and uh, I watched the first episode, and uh, of course you were in it. <laughs> Sick boy in the sitter. That's right, exactly. <laughs> I rewatched that, and uh, it uh, it was funny to watch it because I don't actually I don't even remember that episode. I mean, you know, it, no matter how many times I've probably seen it over the years, you know, in reruns and everything, but uh, uh, I, I didn't even remember that one. <laughs> But yeah, that was that was our pilot, basically. Yeah, yeah. The second pilot—that's the one that actually sold the show. Oh, oh, they had done a previous one. Yeah, the original. Yeah, they did a pilot, and Carl Reiner starred as as the head of, it was called the head of the family, and because you know the show was about Carl's experience writing for Sid Caesar. That's where it all mm-hmm. came about. That's yep. how it, you know, and he Selma Diamond was there, and 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 so he just thought, what a great subject because there's so much to draw from, which is true. And so uh, they did a pilot, and Carl played the Dick, Dick's role, and they had a different person for the wife, different kid, different writers, and it, it, it didn't sell. It was, and, and even Carl will tell you this, and I've heard him say before, it's frankly, I just wasn't very good because I wasn't the right person for it. Um, and so, uh, and you've probably heard the story, but I'll refresh it for the, for the audience. Um, Sheldon Leonard... Uh, you know, had seen it and went to Carl and said, look, he says, I think this is a really great, great idea, and I think this could be a, an amazing series, but you're just not the right guy to play this. Would you allow me to recast it and do another pilot and see if we can sell it? And Carl was, of course I, I will, and, and and there we go. So, you know, they, they got Dick and Mary, and, and, and actually Mary was the last one to come in. They got actually started, I think, with Rosemary Mori Amsterdam, I think, were the first two they contacted. Then they got Dick. And then they filled in the rest of us, including me and then Mary, I think, was the last person that they actually got. So, um, And then we did the pilot, the one you're talking about, and uh, it sold to CBS. And and then, and then they canceled it after the first year. We were canceled, actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they – CBS – well, we were up at – they put it – I think we were on against – I want to say Perry Como, which, you know, was like – nobody goes up and was winning against Perry Como. You know, it's like, you know. So – what happened was they canceled it, and um, and um, uh, Sheldon said, you know, took a trip, went back to New York, went to the head of the network, um, Paley, I believe at the time, and said, um, listen, this never had a chance because we were the comp, you know, we were up against Perry Como, Perry Como, and you know, it was just not going to happen. And so he says, I'll make you a deal. You let me put it on, put it on in reruns over the summer, and if we build an audience, you pick us up for the next season. And Haley says, oh, sure, I'll do that. And that's how we got our, our, our second season, and that's how we got all the rest of them. And, you know, it it probably would have went on for another, you know, four or five years had Dick basically, you know, 
had a lot of offers to do features and movies, and he wanted to kind of move his career into the feature side, and that's why we kind of actually stopped it. <laughs> Jeez. That's a, you know that's back when they they nurtured shows and and let them develop as opposed to now after one or two episodes if they're not drawing in you know large audience and ratings they just cancel them you know yeah and you know yes but and then keep in mind too I mean at that time you know there was only what three networks or, right you know I mean it wasn't TV was still in its early stages really I mean if mm-hmm. think about it so you know there wasn't a lot of um, you didn't have you know. Four, five hundred and something different, you know, um, avenues of, of, you know, television broadcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there any certain things that you remember uh, from working on the Dick Van Dyke show that bring back memories to you? Funny things or anything? Uh, oh, there's quite a bit. I mean, I work. You know, yeah. You know, where would we start? <laughs> um, um, you know, I think one of my uh, one of my best, I, I would say. I mean, I have a lot of tons and tons of memories, but one that's particularly I was very proud of. There was a um, a show where Richie had gotten a couple ducks, little ducklings, and we were raising them, and uh, and one of them died because they were in captivity, and they, you know the, the whole point was, look, they're not supposed to be in captivity; they should be out in the wild. And then we had to give the one Stanley and Oliver were the names of the ducks, and, and this episode was never named a duck actually, and. Um, and it, it, there was one scene where Dick was going to come in, Rob was going to come in and tell Richie that he had to put the last re- remaining duck back into the, you know, to the lake and so it could survive. And and I was very upset and had to cry through the scene. And, and I, I remember I went to my mother and I said, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to cry and be really sad and I, I don't really know how to do this. You know, I was probably seven years old or something maybe. Uh, and, be, and you know, with the exception of Dad uh, beating me, I don't know how to cry. I'm not kidding; he didn't. I'm just, anyway. yeah. and, uh, I know what you mean. And um, and uh, and so she says, "Well, you go talk to Mr. Leonard and tell him this." And and I said, "Okay." So I went to Sheldon and and I told him, you know, I don't know how to to get so I can be in the scene and do this. And he said, "Any." And, and we were sitting. He kneeled down. I was standing behind the the set, right where the door opens to go into Richie's room. And he knelt down in front of me, and he said, you know, let me tell you, and he proceeded to tell me the story of his dog. And I loved, I'm an animal lover, and I still am to this day. I mean, we've had dogs in all, you know, all our lives, and, you know, we're just big animal lovers. So he sat there, and he knelt down in front of me. And there's a picture of it. I think it's in one of the books on the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, and he told me this horrible, gut-wrenching story of how his dog, a family dog, they loved the dog, and the dog got killed tragically, and it was just horrible. And then, you know, in a couple minutes, I was just like, you know, I was just, you know, crying my eyes out. Boom, called action, went in a, went in a set and did the scene. And I, I think it was probably the best dramatic thing I'd ever really done on a show. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. So they had to tell you the really bad stuff. <laughs> well, you know, but that's how it works. Right. You know, like, you're a kid. You, you got to, it's why how smart Sheldon was. You know, he knew how to, how to motivate everybody for different reasons and what would, he could make that come out in any actor, mm-hmm. you know, for, for whatever thing. You know, Carl was the same way in a lot of ways, but Sheldon was very special that way. Yeah. Of course, he went on to do so many other shows and everything else. Jeez. We had on our lot where we shot Dick Van Dyke, there was Dan Thomas show, our show, Joey Bishop show, um, Andy Griffith show, I Spy, 
we were all in the same lot at the same time. They were all Thomas and Leonard Productions. Wow. And then when Danny stopped doing his show, then Gomer Pyle moved in next door to us. <laughs> Jeez. So it was quite quite a great place to be at that time of of television. Yeah. Now, when you when you mentioned uh, Andy Griffith's show was was on the same lot, did you ever uh, you know hang around with uh, Ron Howard because we, we must have been somewhere around the same age, right? Uh, yeah, we're real close to the same age. I think Ron. I think we're within a couple of years of each other. Uh, no, well, Ron grew up in Burbank, where I grew up, and we played little league together here. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then, I mean, I would go see him. See him. It, it, I actually. Because you had to walk down, you know, when you're a kid, it's a long way to walk down to the end of the lot. Now it's right. like, oh, it's right there. But um, no, I would actually hang out more with Angela Cartwright because she was right next door to me. So we just go between sets and, you know, I'd go see Angela. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, the other thing was, you know, it was like, you know, Dick's kids would come and I'd kind of hang with them, you know, with, with Barry or or his daughter, Stacy, and, and then, you know, um, John Shuley, who was our assistant director, his, his kids were on the show a couple of times. So... You know, every so often we get those kids coming in, and um, and so we just kind of hang out there. You know? Yeah. Was it was it lonely on the set though? Without, I mean, you were basically the only kid on the whole set. Yeah. No, you know, it, listen, it, it was no uh, because you know, first of all, I'd have to do school, so in between we were rehearsing stuff, I'd be you know, and being in, it was being tutored basically. It's one on one, you know, basically with the with the teacher, mm-hmm. and so you know that took up three plus hours a day because. You know, depending on when your scenes were going on, I had to we had to rehearse, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, they as a child, you you weren't you couldn't work you know long hours. So mm-hmm. you know, the, and sit, sitcoms they usually don't work typically long hours even today. Um, and so, uh, no, I would either you know Rob Rob Reiner uh, would come in, and I remember Rob used to come in and read comic books to me. You know, so I mean there was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So and and, and being one of seven children. I was really happy to be away from my house oh, and all my okay. brothers and sisters at the time. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize you you had a large family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you the youngest in between? or I'm number six out of seven. Wow. Jeez. So, you know, I have older brothers and sisters, and it was like, no, I'm happy to leave. Don't worry. I'm good. <laughs> you, know, you grew up in a house with... Seven children, but parents. Are this, there's not a lot of, of uh, privacy in that in that household. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, what made you decide not to continue? Was it your parents deciding that that you were, shouldn't continue acting after the show was done, or is it you just didn't care about it, or what? Uh, no, no. It was my parents. Really, they were never they never influenced. My parents were great in terms of they just said, "Look, you do whatever you want to do, and if you need to do this, we'll support whatever you want to do." At the time, you know, I, I kind of wanted to just because keep in mind I, when I started, I I you know I was like I said just about to start first grade, so I never really was in my school at the beginning of the year, mm. and I skipped a grade. I went from first to third because you have a private tutor. Yeah. So when I would go back to the classroom, once we wrap, we would wrap in like April, May, April, you know, and I'd have a couple months six weeks back in my regular school, which was a Catholic school up here in Burbank. Um, and I, it was horrible. I mean, I, I literally, I hated it because the kids were just horrible because, you know, you're gone all the year and then you come back in and then you're like, you know, first of all, I'm younger than them. And second of all, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, Oh yeah, you show up and you, you know, they were just, they were just you know, mean. Yeah. Kids, you know, the kids. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, and then, 
and then after and so and so after that was over i just kind of felt to myself that you know i mean I, i'm fine i'm good I'm, i don't need to act right now i'm good i kind of just want to go to school and hang out and maybe see what i can do and then when i started high school um which was out here in sherman oaks and and my two brothers were already in school there before me so it was like a whole different world when i left grade school went to high school it was all the kids in high school were like, "Oh, dude, you're you're Richie, man. You're all we like you." You know, it was a whole different <laughs> world. So I really enjoyed it. So I really enjoyed just doing my high school stuff. But I did do theater in high school. <clears throat> I did plays, and and then I went to a theater arts major at UCLA, and so I kept doing stuff. And then I would do certain plays, you know, as I was growing up, I'd um, voluntary theater and stuff. I would do just to keep myself going. And then what happened was when I got, you know, basically out of high school and started back in a college and I thought, you know, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to go back and do acting again. And so I called my agents up and, and they said, sure, Larry, we'd be happy to, you know, you know, rep you. And, uh, and I had some headshots done, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And they sent me on a few interviews. And now on my mind, I'm sitting there going like, well, yeah, this is great. If I get this part, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the Dick Van Dyke show. Why would people going to hire me? Come on, right? It's a disillusion, of course. <laughs> and, um, and I remember going to like two or three interviews, and there was like you know 50 people in there, and you know I'm one of them, and I'm like, I go, I'm Larry Matthews. Yeah, okay, would you? Oh yeah, oh you're in defense. Great. Okay, anyway, read this, read that. Okay, bye. We'll talk to you. You know, it was just horrible, hmm. and I I made up my mind at that point. It's like you know this isn't for me. I have no patience. I don't want to go through this. I I, I just you know yeah. So that's when I turned and went into the you know to the to the behind the scenes part of the business, and that's what I've been doing ever since. So, mm-hmm. however. I have done looping, uh, background voicing, you know, uh, little uh, short feature, you know, short features and stuff like that that friends of mine have asked me to be in and stuff. So mm-hmm. I enjoy it a lot, and I and I still do, and I really loved it. But I just kind of came to the, the realization that if I really want to make a living and just kind of have a, a, a good life, that this was going to be a struggle. And I'm not, you know, again, I I didn't have the patience to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't blame you. Uh, now, what about when they did the Dick Van Dyke show revisited? Uh, what was that like coming back after, you know, quite a few years? <laughs> it had been quite a while. It was, we did that in 2004. And so, what, 40 years? Mm-hmm. We, did, we, we went off the air in 66. Yeah. So, you know, um, 30, almost 40 years. Uh, honestly, when we got... We had our first table reading, went in there, sat down, and, and, you know, of course, Maury wasn't with us anymore. Richard Deacon wasn't with us anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, everybody else pretty much was there. It was like time stood still for almost 40 years, and everybody went right back into it instantly, and it was like nothing had changed. Wow. And it was amazing. It was one of the greatest experiences I ever had in my life. Uh, it was just wonderful. And, and um, yeah, and, 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 and I had a... My part was very small. It was the very beginning. I had a phone conversation with Carl, if you remember, as Alan Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was called Looking for Rob. And um, and so it was some of the you – know, Carl paid me one of the greatest compliments, really. We had done this scene, and, and when we first started rehearsing, you know, um, I wasn't sure exactly, you know, where Carl wanted to go with, with Richie and where he was in his life and how he was relating to Alan Brady, who, you know, as, as – as Carl said, you know, you grew up with this man torturing your, your dad, you know, for years, you know. So, um, so after we read, the, we did the first reading, and he goes, you know, Larry, and I said, well, Carl, I said, tell me, where's Richie at? You know, let me know. What are you looking for? 
I don't know. I don't know how to go with it because I need to a little direction. This and he and he sat there. He said, you know, look. He says, this man. You, you, you care about this man. You, you don't give a a damn about this guy. He's a he's a pain in the butt. You know, he's made your dad miserable, and you don't know him, and you don't know him from Adam, and you're you know you're your own man and stuff. So, you know, whatever. And he gave me some directions, and so we ran the scene again. And he was like, I said, how's that? He goes, that was perfect. Hmm. Well, that was perfect. I went, okay, great. So, as we went through rehearsals and stuff, and and the post-production facility that I was working at the time, I was doing sales for, for. We actually we did the post-production on that on the on the show, on the revisited show. So, um, I remember as we were going through some of the these were just readings and stuff, and then we got on the stage and started doing actually on set rehearsals. And he came up to me, he says, he says, man, he says, you're you're fantastic. He goes, your timing, your everything is just you're fantastic. He goes, what have you been doing all these years? You you, you know you said you. you you haven't done acting. I said, well, you know, Carl, I'm a salesman, so, you know, I act every day. <laughs> and he goes, no, I know that, but, I mean, you haven't done it, really? He says, no professional? I said, well, you know, a little things here and there. He goes, man, he goes, I guess I knew what I was doing, didn't I? <laughs> and I said, yeah, thank you. And uh, so it was really nice. And then Mary actually was paid me an unbelievable compliment, said I was just, I was absolutely brilliant. And I said, I said, well, you know, I just try and do the best. I She goes, no, you didn't hear me. You're great. Mm-hmm. She goes, it is the hardest thing to do is, a, is a, that type of acting where you're where you're on a phone without somebody in front of you and trying to react with nobody you know nobody there yeah is the hardest thing to do and you do it perfectly so it was quite a wonderful experience and and uh, it was just great the people were awesome When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you a couple of questions about uh, uh, some things that I've read, trivia things on the internet, uh, and I was just curious: is it is it true that you and Rosemarie have the same birthday? Two weeks from today. Wow, that's 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 uh, surprising that you know that they happen to hit two people and get their birthday you know at the same time. Yeah. And uh, what about? Uh, I read that you had you actually own the desk that Kyle Reiner had as a prop on the show. It's in my it is in my office at my house. That's so, correct. So that is true, huh? Yep. Yeah, you because know, a lot of times you read stuff on the internet and you know, it's never true, you know. Well, so most of the time, but that's another story, right? Um, yeah, no, the, I do. Uh, it, it, it's funny. It, it so again, Danny Thomas Productions. When everything was done, everything was stored, and when I got um, out of college. I got in touch with Ron Jacobs, who was our associate producer, and said, look, I'd like to come back, get back into business and do something behind the scenes, and et cetera, et cetera. And he says, well, you can come. Because Ron and I have always had a very good relationship, and he was very happy to let me come in and basically just, you know, be a, you know, learn learn the, the backgrounds of the production and post-production. And, and so one of the things we had to do at one point, there was they had all this stuff from all these shows stored at um, – at a warehouse down in MGM Studios. And the, the guy was working for me. They said, hey, look, you, we got to rent this truck and go down and get all this stuff because they want to cl- stage cleaned out and we're going to store it somewhere else. So we became movers <clears throat> for a couple of days. And we went down there and Chet said, you know, there's this great, really nice desk down here and this really chair that goes with it. He says, and, you know, 
Ronnie said, I don't care if you, you take whatever you want here. If you want to take something for your, you know, have. I said, yeah, you know, okay. So I saw this desk, and I went, oh, that's a pretty cool desk. So I took it, and I've had it for, oh, my gosh, I, I don't know, before I was married. I'm married over 30 years, so I had it before that. And um, and so one day, I, I, and it was so funny, I'm like, and I knew that I'd had, I mean, it's a big desk. It's a huge desk. And it's got a curve in it. And, you know, if you ever watch the, the episode where Mary tells uh, Laura tells everybody that Alan Brady's bald. Yes, the wigs on his desk. And, and yeah. he's got all the wigs laying off the desk and <laughs> yeah. stuff right there. And I'm like, so I'm watching an episode one day, and we're doing I'm laughing. And I just kind of looked at for a second, and I went, wait a second. That looks like my desk. <laughs> so and you didn't like, even know it. <laughs> I'm like, wow. And uh, I exactly like my desk. So I looked at it again. So there was another episode where Rob had to – they gave the wrong script to Mel, and he put it in Alan's office. And it was a, it was a script that they had. They were all just in there being giddy and, and, and upset. So they wrote this really horrible things about Alan Brady, and and mm-hmm. and it, it accidentally got sent to him. So Rob had to go break into Alan Brady's office yes. and get it out of the desk. <laughs> yeah. And I was watching that, and that's when I looked and I went, "That is my desk. That's exactly my desk." And then I went back and kind of did some research and found out. Yeah, because that all that furniture from the Dick Van Dyke show was all stored down there, and that was what I ended up with. So, wow. Yeah. When I first read this, I expected to, you know, at 11 years old, you were leaving the set for the last time, and you grabbed the desk, and you're running through, <laughs> running away from the studio with it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, if you see it, Brian, listen, you see the size of that desk, nobody's run away with it. Right. I mean, it's a monster, and I've actually had to take the legs off of it just to get it in and out of rooms in the houses I've been at. You know? Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a beast. Hmm. And actually, honestly, I'm probably, you know, I'm thinking about it's maybe it's time to go ahead and, and you know, let it go yeah. somewhere. Maybe eBay. I don't know. Somebody wants you know the collectible people. I'm sure would love. Oh, that. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, you see all those those auctions they have, and and people are, you know, letting go of classic TV memorabilia stuff. And I'm sure that would <laughs> that would fetch a mint. <laughs> Jeez. So I'm thinking. Listen, I I've enjoyed it. I've used it. It's 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 really it's a great test, but. It's massive. I mean, the thing is massive. Mm-hmm. It's, if you look at it, I mean, you can see it just by looking at that one with with uh, Alan Brady and the and the bald, you know, the wig wigs. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's huge. So, Jeez. but yeah, that's yeah. that's in my office. Well, Larry, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. No worries. Taking us away from your your acting on on the great show, Dick Van Dyke Show. Um, but uh, when you sit back and relax now. What are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? I don't really watch a lot of television. Um, I watch a lot of sports, really. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, we grew up in a big sports family, you know, out here in L.A. My dad had bought season seats to the Dodgers when they opened in, when the stadium was built in 1962. And we've had the same seats since then. Um, I had season seats to the L.A. Kings for years and years and years. So I watch mostly sports and, and movies. Um, and movies, you know, I mean, just all kinds of different genres. I love action movies. I love comedies. I like, you know, certain things. I mean, I mean, you know, Blazing Saddles might be one of my favorite movies ever, uh, actually. Yes. Um, you know, and um, and then as for TV, you know, we, we watch some of the HBO shows I kind of like, uh, Showtime shows. Um, you know, we loved Weeds. Um, um, we liked we loved True Blood when it was on um, and, you know. First Jackie and things like that. So I like some of those nowadays. I, you know, I don't watch a lot of network television sitcom stuff. I, I don't know. I just don't find it all that funny sometimes, really, mm-hmm. these days. Yep. Yeah. Um, I understand. 
you know, and, and, you know, and I don't know, and then you kind of get vested into something and then you just kind of let it go. But mostly, you know, um, movies and, and sports and, and like I said, a couple of the, you know, the Showtime HBO series here and there, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, you know, when uh, I recently had uh, Herbie J. Pilato on the show and he was talking about his books and everything, and uh, and then after uh, I mentioned that uh, if I, he knew of anybody who was available for interviews and he said your name, I said, right off the bat, <laughs> if I can connect with you, I would really love it. And I, I'm so glad we got the opportunity to have you on the show. And uh, I, I thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us. Uh, thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Listen, it's it's always a pleasure it's something I'm very proud of. I'm very, you know, um, like I said, very lucky and, 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 you know, very blessed to have been part of such an iconic part of, you know, our American history, really. And um, and so it's a pleasure to do these things. And, and I like to have people hear kind of some different things that, that I might be able to bring out to them that they haven't heard before. So that's kind of cool. A big thank you going out to Larry Matthews for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, always like that show, Dick Van Dyke. What a great actor. That whole cast, like we were saying in the interview, it's it was just amazing. The people who were in there and involved behind the scenes, in front of the camera, everywhere on that show. And uh, that's why it's a classic. And uh, we want to thank Larry so much for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Well... If you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. And if you are uh, on, you know, iTunes and you get a chance, leave us a review. Uh, you know, you can either click if you like the show or not, rate it, or uh, you can actually do both. You can leave a review, too. Just go there and do the whole thing that they want you to do. And uh, we appreciate if you do that. It'll help us rise so more people will know about us here at On Screen and Beyond. And that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.